0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dirt Talk. Today is an exciting one because it's in person. We got Mr. Marty. What's your last name, Marty? Liam. Marty, Marty Liam. Liam. I should have asked that before we start recording. Marty Liam from Dirt Monkey Excavating. We are in the BuildWit office, BuildWit HQ. It's a little dusty. We have a plastic table, some plastic plants next to us to establish a little bit of the ambiance here. Not exactly the fanciest place yet, but this is the very first podcast in the Buildwood office.
1: Awesome. Excited to be a part of it. Big deal. It is.
0: Yes, Marty Marty's rolling through um, Nashville on his way to on his way from South Carolina to Midland. Midland, Texas. Texas. Yep. And uh stopped by. So we thought we'd we'd record a podcast, Talk Dirt, because I guess people like us just never stop talking and thinking about dirt. Exactly. So what what better to do on your day off?
1: Right. That's what we figured. I told you yesterday. I was like, well, I probably can guarantee I won't have to sit in equipment today, but we'll still talk dirt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marty, so you started out doing a little dirt work on the side, then you worked, went to work for the railroad. When did you start getting into the whole dirt world?
1: I started in about 2001. So my I started out when I was racing dirt bikes for a living. That's how I kind of got into all this, and I was going to traveling, doing a series that raced in stadiums, and I would be there every week because I'd be traveling in a in a van or whatever, going to each event. So I essentially I started. They'd be building these tracks during the week to get them ready for the race on the weekend, and I'd be there all week. So I was like, well, oh, what can I do to help? I'm just hanging out. So I started out by like hanging banners and. Uh, throwing hay bales out in the track, and then uh, stuff like that. And eventually I got to where I was there every weekend, and I got a piece of equipment and kind of, I would still be racing, but kind of snowballed where I would be running equipment as well. And then I partnered with a guy, and we started building dirt bike tracks all around the U.S. and the world, for that matter. We were in Australia. We were all over the place. And we were building, like, the elite for the factory teams, and we were building for series Traveling gypsies, moving dirt. It got to the point in like 2012 where I just couldn't handle traveling anymore like that. So I quit that kind of, and that's pretty much all that I knew was dirt bikes or dirt. That's all we've done. That's pretty much all I've done. So I was trying to figure out what I could do to still make a decent amount of money and not have to travel. I came across the railroad. I tested for that. I got into that was a conductor. Then I tested again to be an engineer. And about five years into that, it was um, same old song and dance every day. And uh, I've always been passionate about equipment, dirt. I grew up, my dad, uh, he sold Vermeer equipment my whole life. So I've been around equipment my whole life. We grew up on a farm. So I've always been involved in it. So I started using up all my vacation on the railroad to be doing side jobs, whether It'd be building tracks for people, or I started to actually do side jobs for excavating around our area. And then I ended up just going all in and pulling the plug one day on the railroad, and uh, that's it's history ever since, I guess. Were you one on the railroad, what's the difference between a conductor and an engineer? All right. A conductor is like the one uh, that's telling you what to do is on the radio. So the conductor would be the one in the back of the train if I was backing up. So I would be the conductor in the back, but I'd be radioing up to the front to tell the engineer what to do. The engineer is the one driving the train. Gotcha. So when I moved up, tested to be an engineer, I would just sit in the seat driving the train, and the conductor tells you what to do, where to go, when to do it.
0: So you become the one driving trains, essentially, Mm -hmm. in layman terms. Yeah. But you're still thinking about dirt the whole time. You're still moving dirt on and off the whole time. You become super complacent on the railroad. You don't have
1: a schedule. You get capped out, essentially, on money. And after five years, you know, you reach the top of your engineer, and that's what, you know, you're on a fixed income after that point. Yeah. I knew there was more in the tank than that. And I'm not saying anything against being an employee on the railroad or anything against anything like that. Just personally, that wasn't what I wanted to do indefinitely.
0: Gotcha. So was was there a moment in time where you're like, all right, I can't, can't do this anymore? Was there a single day or was it just a slow burn? It was a slow
1: burn. So because I wanted to have an excavating company, right? But I didn't have anything to start. I bought, when I was in the railroad, I bought a 287B 2006 model. You know, I had a skid steer. But you essentially everybody, when I got the job at the railroad, they like, oh man, you won the lottery. You know, I, I come from a town of 1,200 people. We live in a small farming community and... Uh, to get that job in the railroad alone is like, well, you know, you're at over a hundred grand right off the bat. Yeah. So in, you know, the general population or whatever, that's doing really well. And, uh, you got insurance, you got retirement, you got to give all that up
0: to go play in the dirt. Yeah. So what did people, I mean, did you have a family or where were you at personally at the time where you quit the railroad? Yep. I had, uh, two kids and a wife and, uh, For me,
1: it was worth risking everything. You know, you just get to a point where you say, I got to, it's all or nothing. Yeah. You either going to live the way you're living
0: or you're going to do something. Gotcha. So what did you, I mean, did you have a lot of conversations about it with your, with your wife or what was, what was that like? Or did you just, it was your decision abruptly. All right. I I need to go somewhere else or else I'm going to go crazy.
1: Yeah. um, She knew that I didn't like it. Everybody my including my family was a little standoffish on me wanting to quit. Yeah. And, and take that risk. Right. Just just more out of them worried about, I don't know, are you gonna be able to make this? You know what I mean? I don't I didn't have any previous experience in our area whatsoever of uh,
0: excavating, nor the contacts or anything to get going. Gotcha. So you you, you, you bought the skid steer on the side. And that's the, that's the machine you were using to do side work? I had a single axle old Mack, single axle dump truck too. Nice. And you just bought it used from somebody? Oh, yeah. And just pay cash for it? Or yeah. Not a good was, deal? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so what, how do you find jobs when you're when you're first starting?
1: When I was still on the railroad, I'd find jobs because I would still be, I'm laced in with the whole uh, like motocross community, I guess, and I would still be doing tracks on the side and stuff like that. I knew a landscaper in town also as well in Lacrosse, and he threw me some stuff. I can't. I guess I don't even remember really how I. I had one job the year before I quit. I was building like a like a pump track for the city of Lacrosse. I got into that, and then with that same guy, I also was able to. Uh, we did a, about a half mile trail like the next year after that together, where I did everything. I took out all the trees and I, you know, cut my subgrade and I went up from there and and built the whole thing. And that was a pretty big project. Actually, it was my biggest project ever. Now the it was like, um, 30,000 total. And I was like, man, that's sweet. Yeah. Let's do more of these. Yeah. You know? So the city really liked the work that we did on that there that I did. And it kind of snowballed. I kind of did when I went on my own officially, I'm just like, what can I do like, I, I, I leveled with the Parks and Rec Department. Like, what do you got for me? And they needed their ball fields tuned up. There's like 12 ball fields in the area or in the community. So I'm like, well, I'll figure this out. I can move dirt, I can figure it out. And I bought a machine specifically for it. And I graded all their ball fields. And then I started just like obsessing over bids online, like looking for bids and looking for. I remember I did a mass email of like within an hour to two hour radius of all of the municipalities saying at that point that i would help out on their ball fields right Mm. because it's just not something a lot of people do
2: yeah
1: and i got some and i did some and we did i started out doing that and then it you know the city wanted me to do um they wanted their beaches groomed like well i can figure that out never done it before but we'll get it and i did that with a, a bulldozer and um I did kind of a cool print or something on it and that, that caught a lot of attention and i just i started i never really advertised i did a little bit on facebook to start with like sponsoring an ad which i think is super tacky and i'm anti 100 on it now but <laughs> you know ever, for the first six months like how do you get going yeah what do you do yeah you know newspapers are dead right there's like you don't go you don't go door to door like how do you how do you get work And if I, you know, I can't just start out by, like, going, I'm looking at these bids, but I can't, I have no, I can't bid them.
0: You know, I don't know what to do. So the, uh, with the ball fields and everything like that, I've noticed you, like, your attention to detail with artwork is not something I've seen in a lot of places, just based on pictures. I've never seen it in person. Is that attention to detail from the track side of things? I mean, you yeah. probably just have to be so much more detailed building tracks than typical dirt work and now you're applying that to beaches, ball fields, everything you're doing now.
1: Yeah. When we started out building tracks, we wanted to be the best. And uh we evolved that whole game. We were one of not very many building tracks throughout and it uh very detailed like scraping crumbs off the track yeah. when we're done to make it perfect. And I, I take that a lot into what I do every day, though. I'm still pretty – I don't think I don't think OCD is a good word, but I'm super particular on – I don't care. It really doesn't matter what job it is. I still like it to be clean and look good, and uh, I always preach to the guys about taking pride in what we do, and it's not like – we're definitely not just shutting the machines off with the buckets in the air at the end of the day and calling it a day. I like everything lined up every day. I like to be clean job sites. I like to be professional, you know, and honestly it helps. It has helped a lot through people notice that you don't think they do, but they do. They notice clean machines. They notice clean lineups. They notice clean work. So it's helped a lot.
0: So the people you've done work for appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Like any of the tracks that I go do now, or, you know, the most all our customers are repeat customers. Hmm. Even back at home, you know, the work we're doing is just we don't advertise. It's all word of mouth, and anything that's not word of mouth is on bidding, which we're getting a lot more into that, so that's how we keep rolling. So you do
0: jobs back home
1: during the summer? We start April 1st, and we work until the last two years. We've worked until December 31st.
0: Okay. So you do, and that's doing any kind of jobs around town, whether that be the beach or you did some subdivisions This time last year, just anything you can find and bid. We're starting to do a lot more commercial work. If it was up to me, I would do
1: 90% commercial, 10% residential, just the way I want my business to go. Yeah. That's where I want to take it. You know, I'll hear a lot of different views on that, but the main reason we still dabble in residential is to keep cash flow, just to keep going. Yeah, I definitely, in the last couple years, took some really big swings on some big jobs where I didn't have a line of credit at the time, and I get the jobs, and I'm like, well, what am I going to sell to figure this out? Yeah, you know, to yeah. to pay it, you're going to look at at least thirty to sixty days to get paid. I can't ask for fifty percent mobilization fee, so I'm like, well, oh. but we've got through it, which has been a big help. And I, I guess I've, when I've done the bids, I haven't even it hasn't crossed my mind how I'm going to do it until
0: we get them. I'm not afraid of that part of it. And you said, I mean, the the bidding process, you've really had no idea how to do it from the beginning. You've just had to make it up and. Figure yeah. it out as you go.
1: Yeah, I did a I, – I study a ton on bids. I look at bids throughout the state for every other contractor's a bidding. I look at their numbers. I look at how they're bidding, and I look at that, like, religiously. Like, even when I'm on the road right now, I still look at the bids back home every single day and what ones we're going to think about doing. But I look at what, what guys are bidding them and what's going on. I'm big into that.
0: Gotcha. And then during the winter, which is where we are right now, you guys travel – it seems like anywhere to go build tracks.
1: Yeah, it, we, I do. I will travel. Um, the last couple of years since I've got going, I've wanted to bring my guys with as much as I could. They know nothing about building tracks, but it'll help them be a better operator back home. Yeah. And uh, training is huge for, for me to have people on the same page as I'm on with being as critical on every job to what we're doing. So a lot of times like this last week, you know, the guys will be doing the. They have no idea why they're doing it, even what I'm telling them to do, right? But it's being a good operator is uh, a lot of seat time, detail, why you're putting the dirt here. You know, you got to
0: figure it all out. There's a lot to it. Has it been hard for you to let go training these guys up and just letting them screw up sometimes? Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, it's
1: terrible. We, yeah, uh, I notice everything. I feel like a nutbag half the time, and I I like I can't sleep. I'll have to if I've had to go back to job sites at the end of the day when the guys leave and they send a picture of something because stuff isn't lined up right. I'm totally probably not right, but it's just I don't know. You want it to be right. It's your name on it. It's your business. Yeah. So if I don't take pride in it and if I'm not willing to go the extra mile, why should my guys be willing to go the extra mile? You know what I mean? No, I totally if get I, that. If I'm not gonna lead by example and and get in there then they're not going to then we're just every run-of-the-mill excavating crew that you see along the road
0: yeah what um what the tracks are you guys building off plans or are you really just out there it's all making it's them happen I rode my
1: whole like I know they bikes I've done it my whole life no it's not plans it's imagination it's creating something and it's it is very difficult and it is you can't train it it's hard to explain but
0: could you Do you think you could build a dirt bike track if you didn't ride dirt bikes?
1: Be very hard. Yeah. Because you got the one of the main parts of it is getting it to flow right yeah. and making it fun and safe for everybody and stand out. I mean, we get to go to these places because we have been doing it a long time, and I have been in the industry a long time. I was in Greenville, South Carolina, last week, and there's probably, I don't know, 30 excavators in Greenville, right? Same with we're going to Midland, Texas tomorrow. I can't count how many... Piece of iron and excavators are in that town.
0: Yeah, but they bring you in Yeah, from Wisconsin because you have that skill set that the local guys don't. Right, and it's really helped me take off
1: excavating back home by having this to fall back. I haven't really had any other fallback plan other than working, so if I screw up on some bids, I can come and make money doing this at least.
0: Yeah, but you just—so so when they bring you into Midland, for example, you just have a piece of land— and nope. they, they want a track, and that's essentially the parameter. That's is, it. That's So I'm building it. It'd be around the skill set of
1: whoever's going to ride it, and you want to make everyone, like, cool, yeah. right, fun. And you want to every time, you know, the one of the main reasons I stayed into doing this was to, you know, the kids, you'll they'll be out there smiling all day like a dream come true. Imagine if you, you know, being so excited for
0: something, and then we are able to create that. And I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't grow up riding dirt bikes. And then I went out to Jared McNeil's farm in Southern California and he put me on the mini bike and the little pit bike and, and rode around his little pit bike track in his backyard. Not, not the big boy track. I yeah. uh, I would have killed myself on that one, but it was a lot of fun. Super fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get it. And it's, it's mildly terrifying too when oh, you yeah. haven't done it before. Yeah. It's awesome. So what what's the deal with, with dirt monkey? Where'd the name dirt monkey come from?
1: All right. Well, for starters, before we go any farther into that, I had no clue about mildly popular dirt monkey in Minneapolis area. So
0: Oh yeah.
1: So Yeah. I get asked that a lot. Yeah. And I hadn't I, I'm not a huge I do social media but I'm not a tech guy at all. Like Not much at all. So Mm -hmm. early 2000s, have you heard of Travis Pastrana? Yeah. Okay. Travis Pastrana was starting a, was going to start doing videos called Nitro Circus. And we were in Salt Lake City and we were building the scenes for the first Nitro Circus VHS tape he was going to have, right? And we were staying there. And one of the guys there said, made some comment about us being the dirt monkeys, mm-hmm. right? We're the ones out there getting everything ready for them guys to do cool stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I guess it kind of stuck from that point on. Probably it was like 2002 or 2003. I wanted to name those catchy in my business. And looking back, I mean, I don't know if it was actually the right choice now because we are bidding on like, I'm trying to separate ourselves bidding on bigger commercial work. And it's kind of, razzed about it dirty monkey or stuff that just drives me nuts and i wish i had like a a different name at points you know yeah yeah. so it's not like a joke but uh what do you do
0: we're into it now well that's well like with my name with buildwit i i sometimes kick myself for putting my last name in the company's name and it was just it was something i just thought up one day in college, no, no thought with it whatsoever. And then it took off and here we are. We're stuck with it now. Yeah. But there's some days where I'm like, ah, I wish I didn't put my name in that because then I could fly into the radar. It wouldn't be so obvious that I'm involved in the company somehow, or, or my dad's involved in it somehow. I wish I could just yeah, do my thing. I like Dirt Monkey. that It is extremely unique.
1: Well, we have, you know, we got, it's Dirt Monkey and all of our equipment is red. So there's, yes, um, we try to stand out
0: a little bit. Yeah, and that, it, you guys, you're the only red equipment I think I've seen. What? How did you think up the red thing? Well, I like red. <laughs> I like easy enough. I like Ford race red. That's what everything is. Is it? It's Ford race red. It's Ford race red. Really? Yeah.
1: It's funny. I like it, and no, it doesn't cost me a ton of money or any of the questions I get asked on that all the time.
0: What do people ask? Is it is How it much, worth worth it or yeah?
1: Why would you paint your well? Why would you paint your equipment red? And it's like yeah. well. Why not? you Yeah. Know, good reasons why not to. Yeah. I made the deal with Cat when I originally got it that I was going to get equipment and they'd paint it red. It wasn't like a, it's not like a $30,000 extra or anything like that. It's just what we want. It works. I mean, it
0: honestly does.
1: I get it. We get it constantly. We see, oh, we
0: saw your equipment over here. We saw your equipment there. Yeah. Well, and you only have, what, like three pieces of red equipment?
1: Yeah. We got to have four coming up here but yeah three and and, and
0: another and then and then your truck yeah so it's not that much equipment Mm -mm. but you guys seem so much bigger oh yeah because who the hell would paint their equipment red it's so unique it's all brand new and yeah we do get that a lot and there's not a scratch on anything
1: as far as i've seen well i try not to i'm pretty particular about it yeah really particular yeah
0: now I, i so so I've seen your guys' stuff, and it's amazing. And then this past year, it seems like you really leveled up and took on some bigger jobs because one day I'm seeing you, you know, rip around the skid steer doing yeah. doing your, your your grading work or whatever it is. The next day you have articulated trucks, a 349 excavator, doing a big subdivision. Was that nerve-wracking to go up to that size and scale? Because now you're messing with big dollars, yeah, and you're taking big risk, and you have to go – rent these machines you know 349 to rent is not cheap no. so now I mean you're really you're really up in the ante is that just the next evolution is that nerve-wracking I love it we'll get back to that but I mean I I actually
1: like like it I, it thrives or it drives me but yeah. uh, so beginning before that starting like last year I thought I could take big swings right off the bat and uh the first one I did was uh like a job at uh Hospital in Wisconsin, and I, I was so over my head and, and I ended up having to pull out of the job and I almost got in big trouble for it because it it was I just wasn't ready for it. I had no idea what I was getting involved in, and uh so that almost kicked me down pretty good and back to what I was going to say before, you know i initially was going into the city hall for the city lacrosse bids, and I'd listen in on the bids, even if I wasn't bidding them, and uh, when I did bid them. The first one I went into i I screwed up the bid sheet. I didn't know that they multiplied the numbers or something, whatever it was, so my bid ended up being like millions oh, because I screwed it up, yeah, and they like public humiliated me right there right there. yeah, and I was like, well, duly noted okay yeah. let's uh let's try for the next one, I guess, you know and uh so there's been a ton of you know bloopers before we got some of the big ones but we got a couple of big ones last year i gotta to start with i got a um two baseball fields from scratch that we did last year that weren't there before and that was very challenging that was pre-gps and stakes and i had them i had to have mistake it about a thousand times because i was having issues getting it perfect yeah but got through it looked sweet probably lost money still happier than shit about getting it done and then uh we did another big one where I had to rent a 349 and I was able to get it done like two to three weeks sooner than I thought. And we actually made some money, hmm. like decent money. And I was like, all right, here we go. Let's start rocking and rolling and taking shots at all this kind of stuff. So I do bid as much as I can on bigger projects. This year we did, we got two subdivisions, you know, 60,000 yards of dirts, A lot of dirt in my world. Yeah. A lot of dirt. Yeah. It went good. We were low bid, but we still made money. I mean, maybe just, you know, it's, we're not as, we don't have the overhead like the other guys do starting out. So we're going to keep trucking. I I don't, I would never, back to your question. I don't think that I'm really scared about it. I see ourselves in a different spot, you know, doing these big jobs. And it's just where we, I want to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, the, uh, going to the, filling out the bid sheet wrong I did. I've talked about it before, but the Reno competition where they have these kids from all over the country come in all these schools, you represent your school, and then you bid on a historical project that companies like Kiwit and these really big companies have done in the past. And so they give you the, they give you the project and they say, okay, you know, you have a day to figure out what you're going to bid this job for. Yeah, And that's it. And, uh, we spent, you know, you spend almost twenty four hours working on this damn thing straight. You don't really sleep. You're just sitting in a cramped hotel room in Sparks, Nevada, and just it's just a total shithole. So, so you, you you work your ass off, and then we filled out the bid sheet wrong. So we were still totally screwed up, and we wouldn't have got even close to winning if we had filled it out properly. Yeah. we'd filled it out wrong, <coughs> which made our our bid. They they just they just threw it out essentially and they didn't just throw it out but they publicly humiliated us in the process (laughs) god it's awful isn't it it's like i had the other
1: contractors in mind too and it was like uh i'm just getting going they already think i'm like who's this guy yeah and then i just get hammered on in there and it's like you
0: just want to put your head down and be like oh but there's once that happens to you you're not going to do it again right it's, you put your hand on the stove once, that's all you need. Yeah. And sometimes you have to put your hand on the stove to learn some of those lessons.
1: Everybody makes mistakes.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always
1: say, we only know what we know. Like, we're going to make mistakes. And uh, I, you know, if I'm talking to the
0: guys or whatever, I, I, I get it. It happens. What are you supposed to do? Going back to the attention to detail, like on the beach shop, for example, you guys, you'll leave behind this beach. It's in Wisconsin. So when it's when it's beach is this on the lake? It's on a river, Mississippi River. It's on the Mississippi River. So it's it's this sandy beach on the Mississippi River. So it's not this you're not in LA or whatever it is, right. but but it's still sand and you'll leave behind like this perfect grid pattern almost like it's the outfield of some major league baseball stadium and, and you know these beautiful stripes. You don't have to do that. No. And some people would argue, why would you spend the extra time and energy doing that when you don't have to? What's I mean? What's the point?
1: Well, oh man, do I get hammered on about that? Too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wearing out my tracks, I'll learn. Blah blah. I like to. I am artistic as well, and I don't. I don't even like to say that word. I guess I like things that look cool. Have you seen that before? No. I mean,
0: no. It looks really cool, and it yeah. went.
1: It went on the cover of their magazine that they publish for the city. Right. So how can that hurt? Yeah. The same, you know, it's, I like it. It's something, I mean, it's something I like to do. So I don't know. I do get a lot of grief on it.
0: I think it's clever though. Cause when you're building, like the question always is how do you differentiate yourself? And as a contractor, you're, you're bidding on the exact same final product. The customer wants a final product. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of creativity involved because you're building the same thing as the next guy, how do you differentiate yourself? Something like that, I feel like it's a perfect example of how you differentiate yourself from just the average dirt contractor because no one would do that.
1: Right, nobody's going to take the extra which it only takes probably 30 minutes. Yeah. I know we have an extra 30 minutes. Yeah. And 30 minutes aren't going to wear out my tracks. But with that being said, it looks cool. Like we want to we want to set a different image. Like I was telling you earlier, when I started, my, my when I first initially built my website, my, my quote or heading on the top was evolving the concept of construction was what I came up with. is because I want it to be different. If I think about construction in my area as far as excavating, I think about an old grumpy guy that there's no way I'm going to approach in that excavator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want it like that. No. We, my whole crew is under 40. Everybody's got good morale. We laugh, we joke. We still—I—I—I mean—I got savages. They are—they work big time, but we all have uh, the same mindset, and it, it works for me. I wish I could, you know, get that through to more people that are scared to step foot in the industry.
0: What do you think younger people want? How are the how's the younger generation different than the older generation in the industry?
1: I don't necessarily think that people want to be yelled at the minute they're on a job site, yeah. and me and you either, right? They're yeah. like, God, that guy's a dick. Like, this yeah. is awful. I don't know, maybe respected. I give my guys a bunch of responsibility. I hold them accountable. If they're going to do something and I have them do something, I'm going to hold them accountable. And if they screw up, that's in their court. But they'll learn, and they'll get better at it, because we all do. That's what we do. Like you said, you're not gonna put your hand on the stove twice. We'll get better. And so is that's with the generation of people too. Yeah. I believe. I mean, I, I know you got your bad apples and this and that, but we have to believe in, in our guys.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's not that they don't wanna work, it's just that they learn differently than the last generation. But the last generation they're so prideful and they wanna teach this generation the way they learned, which was a lot of getting yelled at. Yelling and screaming and you're doing this wrong mentality. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the that's how they got taught. So they feel like th- that's how they need to teach this next generation because it's not fair if right. you know, they get treated any better than they got. But it's all – it doesn't – it's really flawed logic. It doesn't make sense. Yeah.
1: We were also saying a little bit about this. Like uh, you're going to have a new guy that's there, right, and the older guys, and you get him and, oh, yeah, you can go run that. Well, this guy's never – He's a kid. He hasn't ran equipment before. You're going to put him in that. He's going to screw up, and then you're going to tell him he's dumb. Yeah. And he's out. You're not. Yeah. Well, that's not, how, that's not how we're going to do it. That's one of the main reasons, I was like I was saying, I bring the guys down with me. I want them to learn. And then as you learn, you like it more, and you embrace it. And if you give them accountability, they want, you want to be better. We all want to be better. 90% of us want to be better each day at what we're doing. Yep. I mean, that's
0: a fact. Yep. I mean, we sh- We should. Yeah, it's human nature. I mean you still have those guys that just want a paycheck. Just, yeah. just get a paycheck, go home, not put in any effort. But most everyone wants to improve day to day.
1: And we we I've I've had my share of I'm not even gonna get into it, but employees that, that aren't gonna do it, that aren't gonna be on board. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, where we're at, we have a really good team. Everybody works together. Everybody has bad days. Look what we doing we work in the dirt but we still are prideful and smile what we do and can line up the equipment at the end of the day. And we're doing something, we're creating something.
0: It's, it's interesting too, cause you know, you, you only have so many hours in the day, so you're good at what you do and you can go build stuff, but you're still limited to what you can build based on how many hours you personally have and what you're personally capable of. So to go beyond and, like, you want to go beyond, go build subdivisions, more commercial work, this and that. You need to get other people involved. Oh, yeah. and you need to pass down everything you know to these guys to become successful at the next level. You can't. It's just not possible to do it on your own. No, you're 100% right. And I do.
1: I put a lot of weight on them. And it gets more and more as you, you see potential in people. And then you run with it. You almost want to give them a little bit more than they can handle all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And just to see what they're going to do. Yeah. How are they gonna sink or swim on this? It's like starting up the excavating company. I made the jump, but are you gonna swim afterwards or not? Yeah. You know, are you gonna are you gonna be able to keep going? I you use get, that we get tested all the time. Yeah. You know, daily. What what have been some of the tests lately? Well, just we're we're buying more and more stuff. You know what I mean? Are we gonna have enough work for all that? Mm-hmm. Like we're putting all the tools in the toolbox. Mhm. But now as the beast grows, you can't slow it down. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and you want you need to evolve with it. So yeah. I love it. I mean, it's what a challenge every day. You're in the same boat. I mean, you're trying to build something, you're trying to create something, you're trying to create a better atmosphere for people to to have a
0: career in and for people to like what they do. Yeah, we're we're in the exact same spot because we're having to hire a lot of people right now. Like you have to go by equipment, technology, you're saying GPS, make those investments. Our investments are primarily people. Mm-hmm. So we need to add these people, these skill sets to accommodate the work down the road that we don't necessarily have yet. Mm-hmm. But we can't wait for the security of getting that work because when we get the work, it's too late. We need the people already. But then if we're adding the people after, we're behind. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been a lot of just, okay, we're going to have to do this. I hope everything works out down the road, but there's no certainty with it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that's what we've been running up against is, is especially now it's like, we've had to hire a lot of people lately based on what we think is going to happen. And we're just, we're, 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 we largely control what does happen. What, what doesn't based on our effort. But a lot of, a lot of it is just like, all right, let's just hope this happens because if it doesn't, we're going to have problems.
1: Yeah. But you know, if you, you say that like, uh, I hope this is going to happen, but that's what you're saying out loud. In your head, you're more going, I mean, if something's going to happen, you're going to believe it's going to happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So your mindset is already, whatever you're saying, you're saying, but you solely believe it's going to happen or you wouldn't be making them decisions. And that's how I feel about us growing too. And I I talk to everybody like, man, I hope we can get to work for this, but I'm going to do whatever it takes. To make sure we get the work for it yeah you know what I mean and you'll do the same you're gonna I don't think anybody has has that failing as an option or not making it you know what I mean no. that, that that's not if that is in what you're thinking about then you've already lost
0: no there's I mean I have absolute certainty yeah this is all gonna happen I don't know how I don't know when but I know what's going to happen and I've never once I'll have a lot of days where I sit there and be like the hell am I doing but I've never had one day where it's been maybe this isn't for me yeah I've never I've never once seriously doubted what I'm doing Mm -hmm. so I've definitely just asked myself the question you know just like what are you doing like this is just dumb this is ridiculous but never once has it ever been seriously questioning where we're going why we're doing it
1: and it seems like you know the more we do you do I'm supposed the the victory parties get a little bit shorter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're, man, we got that job, but it's like, and that's it. It's a snap of fingers, sweet. We're on to the next. It's time to, it's game time. Yeah. And it, and it remains. And if you can try to bring intensity, you know, all the time with that, it just, I don't know, it, don't, it becomes addicting, doesn't it? It's you very you, much so. You want to be, you know where you want to be. So then you just,
0: you know, you're in the ring, you're taking the swings I saw I saw a video the other day, I think it was Michael Jordan, and it was at a press conference. They were up like three nothing, or they had an enormous lead in the finals, and he just he almost looked pissed. And so they asked, he's like, why? Like, aren't you supposed to be happier about like you you guys are up three zero? Like, aren't you supposed to be happy? And And he's just just matter of fact, the job's not done. I mean, just so, it just like the job's not done. What what is there to celebrate? I I haven't finished the job, and it's like. That really shook me up a little bit because it's like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, the job is not done. And this guy is so dead set on where he wants to go that even up three zero, he's not impressed.
1: Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, that's uh, – you just get a, the mindset yeah. of, of creating stuff and where you want to be and where you think think you should be and where you know you can be and what you can do. And I said from the start, like you were telling, you said that the end of the year is points on the board for money and, the, you know, your revenues. And I agree. I do agree with that. You know, we, I try to make realistic goals. We started our first year was at 820. We did 1.1 last year, million. And, uh, you know, maybe 1.5 is realistic this year. I'm not sure. I You know, we have four guys, so it's hard to get a cap on that. I know I want to take big swings and go, but it's, I also really struggle with growing correctly. Yeah. And a lot of jobs that I do take on, on like some of the other stuff are jobs like for the community parks and rec and stuff like that. I I still really believe in, we do a bunch of playgrounds who wants to do playgrounds. Not many people Mm because they are tough. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think so, but they're man, they're a bear. But still, look what you created after their legacy builds. You know what I mean? Yeah. and Just how much joy is going to be created? That everybody gets out of it. Yeah. And you can do something. You can do your part for the community, and you can still always see a a better future for everybody. Instead of me just being like, okay, well, I did a half mile of road from here to here. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I built three parks that the whole community is going to enjoy, and and I get that satisfaction as well. I have kids. So yeah. that's a big part of what we do. I bid weird stuff like that a lot. I get a lot of weird, like different, not weird, but different jobs because I do have a lot of passion in what we do. So I like to do that kind of different stuff that nobody else really wants to take time to do. And I do get grief on it. But people like okay. uh, when we're doing stuff for cities and stuff, you know, you know, you should be putting that money into fixing the potholes or stuff like that. Well, the fact of the matter is we don't have a community unless it's a place that is intriguing for others to live and bring families to. So actually we should fix up the parks and and the different aspects of the city so people actually want to live there so we can afford to
0: build the streets, Mm -hmm. right? Well, it was was interesting too. I've never really spent a lot of time in parks up until recently moving to Tennessee. And just the summer spending time, there's a park by my house that I I run through every day. And it's, even for me, not necessarily – you know, I'm bringing my family to the park. I don't have a family or anything like that. But with the news telling me the world is burning, and then you go to the park and you see people having a good time, laughing, playing together, you know, just just spending time outdoors, really right. enjoying themselves, it it gives you so much. I don't know, it just made me a lot happier. Yeah. Myself, seeing so many other people being so happy in real life, compared to what I was being told is reality, which is, you know, everyone hates each other. Yeah. And it's just not, you, you see that and you're like, well, it's just not, not the case. And it, it, it was really, it was fun for me to see, even though I wasn't participating in it at all.
1: Genuine outlets
0: of actually living life. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, we, when I grew up, I didn't have, we didn't have any money. We, we had a tobacco farm. We, we didn't have any money. Were we struggling, though? Like, I look back a lot, and I talk to my dad about this once in a while, and I'm like, man, I would say them were some of the happiest days ever. I had three TV channels, and we raised tobacco. But now we're in this uh, constant measuring contest every day, and we kind of lose grasp of the things that will actually make you happy. Yeah. And, um, you know, family, friendships, things like that, people. People make other people happy.
0: So for me, going back to the money, the money is not a, co- a core motivator of mine. It, it, it is, but it, it isn't. But I have understood its importance in the equation of, you know, I can have the best company possible, take care of my people, train my people, this and that. But if their paycheck doesn't show up every week, they're out, they're gone. And because they're not going to be able to take care of their families. They're not going to be able to take care of the important people in their life. So that's the motivator for me is, okay, more money is more people I can bring on, more families I can support, more impact we can create, more good things we can do. I mean, you can't do, you can't go build playgrounds, for example, even if you're not making money in the playground, if you're not making your equipment payments, Caterpillar doesn't care how much goodwill you're doing in the world. They still want their money. And if you don't give them their money, they're going to be like, well... Okay, you're building the playground? Who cares? Give us our equipment back. So there's that reality of, you know, you do need to make sure the money is there so that you can do all of these other things. You can have the freedom to do those great things, support the people you love, that kind yeah. of thing.
1: Oh, you, I mean, you know that money is just, you know, that's the that's the game. Yeah. You know, we're all in it for, you know, the the reason we're doing it is to make money. You, you oh, know, yeah. And I know you get you pay your guys good, you've been doing – benefits, which I really want to get into. God, I just got a, a quote for healthcare for my guys. It's just like, Oh my gosh, it's just, uh, expensive. Yeah. Right. For own K plan. And we've tossed the idea around of going union as well to help, you know, just another perk. So we're, we're, I'm into that right now. We're right into doing benefit plan, but, uh, I try to pay my guys really well too, more, quite a bit more than what they make would make at any other excavating place. And, uh, I don't know. It's we all want to live comfortably, so money is a huge motivator for for everybody. If you ask me, or a lot of people, yeah, right, yeah. If they can go and do what they want when they want, and not have to be so stressed about it, that makes them happier at work and more willing to do more work and help me figure out these bigger jobs and bigger projects to try to, you know, it's a lot of it is figuring it's figuring it out too. Just going through the motions, it's, taking your lashings.
0: Yeah. I. You don't get anywhere without biting off a little bit more than you can chew and then just choking it down as you go. Yeah. And making your mistakes along the way. Oh, yeah. And hopefully it doesn't kill you. That's, oh, you're, exactly. You uh, constantly were,
1: you know, we're biting off. I tell the guys, well, here's what we got to do. And they're like, well, we've never done that before. Why? So well, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. If they can figure it out, why can't we figure it out? Are they smarter than us? No, they're not smarter than us. I don't believe that for one minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, going to your family, do you, I've seen a lot of videos with you and your kids around the equipment. There's been some funny stuff like sledding. Was that you yeah. pulling your kids up the hill with the excavator?
1: Yeah, they hopped in the bucket and went to the—I'd put them on the top and they'd sled down. Yeah. Oh, they love it. Which um, I thought
0: was hilarious. So are you—I mean— you deliberately get them involved around the excavating company, or what's what's that like? They both, I've had them both in all the equipment at three years old. I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: we I started that running the skid steer, and they both can swing the excavator and and dig a pile or dig a scoop. I do like I initially wanted to build this to leave them with something, right? I don't know if that's the way to approach it or not. Mm-hmm. I would love to leave them something and be able to. It's hard to get going. I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get going. But uh I don't know what'll happen. How old are they now? Five and seven. Still pretty young. Young.
0: How is it traveling this time of year? I mean you're away yeah, quite a few weeks. It's really tough. But um I've always traveled and
1: worked and it's always been a gotta do what it takes mindset. I'd like to instill that within my kids a little bit with not going to the guidance counselor and having these fictitious numbers. You know, everything takes work. I think that's maybe one issue coming out of school anymore. Yeah. It's not the actual reality of what it does take to make money and how hard it is to
0: succeed, you know, right as you go. Well, Yeah, you go to school, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem that I've seen is the entitlement coming out of it, that you think you're owed something or deserve something because – you've gone to school when it's so far from reality. It doesn't, you're, you're, you don't deserve a single thing. That's when everything starts. Just no matter when you leave school, after high school, after college, it really is no different, especially in this industry. I mean, you don't, this industry just rewards work. Yes, It, it doesn't care who you are, what you know. But work is also
1: rewarding to you as a person as well. Absolutely. When you can accomplish something Yeah. and, you, and you're doing it. But
0: I agree. Well, through, through school, I was working hard in school studying I, to, to get through engineering to pass it. I had to study so damn hard because I was terrible at math. So I just needed to work my way through it. And then I worked in the summers, um, the first two summers just as a laborer, second two summers as field engineer. And my summers as a laborer, just busting my ass were so much more fulfilling Fun, rewarding just just overall much better than working in school, yeah, I just I loved building stuff, using my back to earn my money. There's so much greater satisfaction in it than thinking through a problem that doesn't really matter at the end of the day,
1: oh yeah, no, that's for sure the The entitlement is real, though, yeah, it is people i I tell the guys right when they get going. There are some guys that, like you said, just want to show up and get a paycheck. Well, if you're not doing something to make the company money or helping out, then we don't need you. Yeah. Right? If you're going to stand there and not do anything and think like you're screwing the man, well, the man doesn't need you then, and you can leave mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to get people to, to kind of grasp that. Even if you're at the bottom, bottom level, I'm hiring you to do something because I need a void filled and you, you are going to help fill that void. And it isn't about just getting a check at the end of the week. You're going to help us grow. That's the
0: point. Well, in the way, the way I explain it to everybody, I, we're in a position where I can, I mean, I ask people like, all right, so how much do you think you're worth and how much, how much do you want? And I'll pay someone, you know, we'll say for the ease of math, hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a lot of money. But I tell them, if you bring in three, four $400,000 into the company every year, I have no problem paying you that money. Mm-hmm. So it's all about you need to bring much more value than what you're receiving to the business. And then if you bring more and more value consistently to the business, you're going to see bigger and bigger rewards for yourself. It's directly proportional, Yeah. but that's on you. That's not on me. It's my responsibility to provide you the opportunity. That's your responsibility to go create the value and justify the investment the company's making into you as an individual is the way I see it.
1: Yep. That's for sure. I mean, but even at a even starting out you can make a difference. Tons. You know what I'm talking about? Like oh yeah. When you start out as labor, like, oh man, I'm only gonna make sixteen bucks an hour. Well if you wanna do more, make more, do more. Get your C D L. There's all kinds of avenues always to build up. Like that's how I always see this too is is I have no problem scaling. If you, the more responsibility you want, the more I'm going to give you. Yeah. Cause maybe it'll t- make me sleep a little bit longer at night that I'm already not sleeping.
0: Or even as a laborer, maybe it's just something like when I, when I was a laborer, I tried to master the art of having everything ready before the guy in the ditch needed it. When we were laying pipe, for example, I was the one up on top, making sure everything was prepped, everything was ready to go. So I wasn't the bottleneck in the operation. Mm-hmm. And when they needed the the pipe soap, for example, I had it ready. They needed a shovel. I had a shovel ready. I had the, the pipe ready to go. I had everything measured, cut, ready to go. I am the, the lowest man on the totem pole, the laborer, you know, the, the most inexperienced guy out there. And yet I'm adding enormous value to the operation just by making sure everyone around me has what they need to succeed and do what they do. And then in turn, you earn everyone's respect. You get greater opportunities as a result, but there's always value you can yeah. add. I mean, and we noticed that, like yeah. you notice it, I notice it,
1: you know, I had a guy start this year and he, when he was starting out, I'd have him grease the equipment in the morning or at night or whatever, but he was also cleaning the cabs out mm-hmm. and I'm like, awesome. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. This is great.
0: And talk about like spending 30 minutes to make an enormous difference. Yes. It doesn't take that much time or energy to no. do that, but a huge
1: difference. But then you're, you're also in that return, you're setting yourself apart right off the bat. Mm-hmm. you're willing to do more to help all the company, you know what I mean, right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. So.
0: But but, you, know, you were impressed because he was going above and beyond. If he's just doing what he's asked, greasing machines, well, that's what we're asking you to do. I yeah. mean, that's the bare minimum. So don't expect to get a good job for doing your job. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But if you're going above and beyond, if you're delivering way more than you're supposed to, that's when you're going to get a yes. pat on the back. At least that's how I see it. A lot of people my age, they want a good job for doing their job. It's like, I know. Okay. Like you're doing, wow. You're doing the minimum. Congratulations. You work 40 hours a week. How am I supposed to,
1: this is what you're paid to do. This is why I hired you. You're not going to get a good job out of that. No, no.
0: Yeah. You work forty hours a week. Okay. So does every adult in the United States. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. It's just looking for those little ways to add value that goes so far at the end of the day.
1: And I feel that goes all the way up to the big scale into my shoes. Mm-hmm. to the jobs we complete yeah. and everything we do. If I can have a little bit better, you know, um, not even better, just clean looking where somebody comes up and looks at it and they're like, holy smokes, this is awesome. Yeah. It's just a driveway, which doesn't matter a lot if the lines are straight on the sides or anything like that, but people notice it. And they're 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 actually more excited about the way it looks than the actual functionality of what you're doing. So... That helps sell,
0: too. It's amazing. Well, if I hired you to do driveway and you showed up with a a bright red skid steer that looks beautiful, I'd be pretty stoked about it. I wouldn't yeah. even care about the driveway. I'd be like, wow, this guy really takes pride in what he does because this is something else. This is something I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah. we. I mean, that is another thing. I mean, you just try to keep things clean. It's very little. Yeah. you do, but people notice it. Yeah. Right? Oh, that guy's got clean equipment. And even with the red equipment, good or bad, I don't care how people really about it they're still talking about it absolutely good or bad it don't matter to me one bit
0: they know who we are and what we're you know we must be doing something yeah that's how i view when people talk shit about me on the internet it's kind of flattering because it's like man you probably have like a wife and kids at home and a lot of important stuff to do in your day-to-day and yet you're taking some of your valuable time to think and talk shit about me on the internet like i am flattered because I don't think about you at all. I don't care about you. Yeah, I, exactly. You are nothing to me, yeah. and yet I am occupying so much of your mental space. Oh man, that's funny, <laughs> isn't it?
1: I get these people saying different things, you know, hating on what we're doing or whatever, and I'm like, why are you sitting there wasting time telling me I suck? Uh huh. What does that do? Well,
0: does that they've, make you they've feel never good? been in your shoes either. Right. They're probably not business owners. No. I don't. I mean, I'd guess. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah you don't have any of the small business owners that are actually doing it criticizing others because no. they understand, okay, yeah, this takes a lot. I get it. Even with other businesses in town, I always tell, like, these guys,
1: the my guys, it's we could care less what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they're bidding. Mm-hmm. I don't care what projects they're doing. Mm-hmm. None of it matters to me because some of them get caught up in what we're doing and follow what I'm doing, but it doesn't matter to me one
0: bit. I tell uh, exact same thing. I, I preach – over and over and over again, we're our competition, mm-hmm. so like when we 're doing n- another video project, the last video we made that's the competition right there mm-hmm. that's what we have to beat that 's the baseline, not what the other guy's doing i don 't give a shit what the other guy's right. doing and i don't i don't spend a lot of time on the internet for that reason i don 't want to see what other people are doing in my world because i don't I just matter. don't care it doesn't matter to me at all it's just me doing me, and if I focus on that we're good to go
1: once we start losing our focus and start worrying about other people we're losing you don't look behind
0: you look forward but in contract being a contractor it's so easy because you're always compared to the next guy oh yeah because of the nature of getting the work you're always bidding 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 comparing yourself comparing yourself so if the other guy has those margins then you have to like what's the other guy paying his people well shit i have to pay my people that it's like no 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 now you're you sh- it shouldn't matter what the other guy's paying their yeah. people. You shouldn't be caught up in that. You should be just, how do I execute the job as efficiently as possible? Because right. you might, if you find efficiencies, if you find, if you have happy people, motivated people executing the work at a much higher level than the next guy, you can pay everyone better mm-hmm. and and you'll probably still have better margins than they will.
1: Yeah. Staying in your own lane. Yeah. Do your own thing. You know what I mean? We do, we know what we're making as a company. And and how we're doing? I don't. It you know I don't care what anybody else is doing.
0: It's easier said than done, though. Yes, you're all right. Yeah, because I have gone some down, down some of the rabbit holes, and then I have to bring myself back out of it. Like whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, let's correct here. This isn't important. I yes. have to I have to correct myself quite a bit.
1: Oh gosh, I'm like how how possibly could they bid that cheap? Yeah. Like what am I
0: missing here? Yeah. You know, and then you start
1: last June a little bit, I started losing like three or four or five bids in a row and I'm like, man, I suck. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going out of business if I don't figure this out, mm-hmm. right? And all the pressure weighs on you and you're like, I got to figure this out. Like, what am I doing wrong? But Did you just have to keep after it? Just kept kept swinging. Yeah, Keep swinging. And maybe you take one a little cheaper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I don't know a good solution on that, but you do feel like you start to panic a little bit. You know, you get into a season or something and you're like, we're really knocking these out quick and it's not looking like we better get some more work.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we, I mean, we've gone through that over the past two months where everything through the new year slows down because we're trying to talk new investment. No one's looking to talk about new investment Mm -hmm. end of year, going into holidays, beginning of the year, everyone's busy trying to figure their shit out. No one wants to, work out new things. So everything kind of slows down for us beginning of the year. So that's where we've been. It's like, okay, like we got to pick things back up or else we're going to have some serious problems here. But we've I've tried to create some safeguards to where if shit really did hit the fan, we're not totally SOL. We're still protected a little bit.
1: But like me and you, you know, no matter what we say to our guys or, or you say to them, it's still all on us you know it's yeah. we're we're the ones wearing the boots it's like yeah and i i really do i do actually enjoy that kind of pressure but it wears on you bad yeah. and you'll see any any big you know company owner or whatever they got some wrinkles
0: mhm it's well, when I, I i have moments in time where you where you realize it like really sets in your head like there's no one here to save me mhm things go south there's no one here to go rescue me, Daddy's not coming. No one yep. is gonna save me. And and once you really drill that into your head and understand it, it's almost freeing. Once you let go of the fact that, once you really understand, like this is really all on me. Yeah, and it's 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 not if you have great people you're working with, great partners, great people working for you. But at the end of the day. It also is. I mean, oh, yeah. I, f- I feel like you don't have to be as lonely if you do have great people around you. But at the same time, oh yeah, it's on your shoulders.
1: My mom always tells me, she's uh, she says, uh, oh, you'll be fine. Everything will work out. And it just, it usually like infuriates me. Yeah. Because the only way any of this is going to work out is if I figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I it, wouldn't it be nice just to be able to say, oh, yeah, everything's going to work out. And they say, don't, you know, you listen to other influencers and stuff and they say the biggest thing don't worry you gotta worry yeah what else you supposed to do i mean it's it's nature of the beach you do worry you have when you get and the more you get riding on everything the more you worry mm-hmm. i feel
0: yeah I, I i'd agree i mean I, i'm worrying now more than anything else but the it's a lot of fun taking bigger and bigger swings having bigger and bigger problems to figure out like yesterday i figured out like a few big problems really big puzzles that i've been chewing on for a while Mm -hmm. and they both kind of came together yesterday and i was thinking about that when i was going flying home last night it's so much fun to be solving these bigger and bigger puzzles and having these breakthroughs and connect the dots and you're like oh my gosh that's totally it like i thought i would not figure it's just fun to figure stuff out
1: and then it just is like uh the eye of the tiger I am Rocky running up to the top of the stairs, you know. Yeah. But, but then it also inflates your, I don't want to say eagle, but you're like, well, what can't I tackle? What's
0: well, confidence?
1: Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, you're like a steamroller. Yeah. Let's hammer this out. We got this.
0: Yeah. But then you'll do that on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, everything's falling apart. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And that's, it's never, I have not had one just good week or one bad week. Right. it is so mixed together every single day it is so up and down so many bad things happen so many good things happen it's it's just every single hour that, what helps though is the bad things get to be like usually
1: some people are like aren't you freaking out and you're just like uh i mean what do you do that's part of it you yeah. know what i mean it's just like yeah. this is normal yeah, this, this isn't these bad problems that used to be I got two trucks on the side of the road with blown tires. It's like instantly instead of losing one second to worry about what's going on. You're like, well, we got it. How are we going to get it fixed? Yeah, w- what do we got to do? Yeah, so that gets easier as I think you get a little more whiskers. I feel for myself is the the bigger problems.
0: I thought were bigger when I was first starting kind of they're not so big. No, and I uh I've more so had to manage other people getting bent out of shape about stuff now. When things go wrong, I'm fine cuz I've been so used to everything going wrong that it's just like, yeah, we just we'll just figure it out, you know, and my mind automatically goes to, okay, big problem, how do we figure this out? You know, what are the solutions here? And then I just start making decisions based on, okay, bad thing happened, we're going in this direction now instead. But for me, it's been more so controlling other people. And how they get bent out of shape about stuff happening. Because they don't have as much experience handling the bad stuff. Just relax. Yeah, You know what I mean? Just
1: let's take a step back here. Yeah. Let's
0: not lose our marbles. Yep. We got this. Yeah. So it's been more so of me having to support others when things go south. And just having their back on it. And knowing like telling them like hey everything's going to be fine here. We're going to figure this out together. And controlling their emotions rather than letting myself get out of hand anymore.
1: Well that's a huge thing too in like you being a leader, right? The leader is going to be able to in that in that at the, after that point, you know, they'll you gain a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. for them looking up to you in that aspect cuz you're like, well this guy's he's got to figure it out. I mean, he you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I also don't like I try not to create the perception that I have everything figured out. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm the first one to say I'm extremely flawed and I want to make everyone within our organization, comfortable with screwing up. And yes. to do that, it's like, hey, I'm the first one screwing up here, and I am making so many mistakes. It's okay to screw up. Like, that's how we've gotten this far. So you don't have to be perfect, and I am sure as hell not Mr. Perfect. Yes.
1: And there will be a lot of people that are first to, you know, you have constant critics to tell you that you screwed up. Well, okay. Yeah. I did screw up. Yeah. Right? And that that is a big thing. It's hard to get – people to take responsibility for actually screwing up because it is really humbling when you screw up. But once you can start understanding like that you're screwing up and once you take responsibility for that, it feels a lot better, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I can take these punches. I did screw up, but I'm going to get better. I'm going to figure this
0: out. I feel bad for the people on the internet that can't admit they're wrong. Ever. Ever. And it's just, I almost, yeah, I just kind of feel bad for them. Like My And that's just a shitty way to live my work is perfect. Everything I do is perfect. What you do sucks. Yeah. Okay. Cause you know that that guy's like the most insecure guy out there. Yeah. If he's having to make everyone else feel shitty about their work and acting like they're perfect. It just, it's not reality. Or just nitpicking the people that come at you and nitpick the little things. It's
1: like, all right, Captain Obvious. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You got me. You're smarter than me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it, It drives me nuts. I saw it comment this morning i've been posting about this one operation it was probably the most buttoned up earth moving operation i've seen in the past year and yet everyone's criticizing them on what size their cut is and how they're top loading trucks and this and that and i was i just cracking up because it's like these guys are making so much damn money yeah doing what they're doing it's working very well for them it doesn't have to be perfect by the textbook and there's a reason why they're not doing it oh, by the textbook
1: what is the textbook that's that's what I want to know. And that is a Every,
0: great point.
1: All these old heads, yeah, they have all these textbooks that are right. Yeah. Who are they right to?
0: You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, You should be doing yeah. it just
1: like this. And yeah. it's like, okay, I guess I'll listen to you, mm-hmm. or maybe we'll be logical and we came up with something else that worked
0: just as good, but whatever. I guess they'll listen to me. I'm fine. Well, and that's... There's been a lot of these these mining guys, you know, putting these videos on the internet of them just loading off a bench in the trucks, perfect every time, this and that. And they've, I think, fooled a lot of these younger people into thinking that's earth-moving. And you just, you're just you just like, no, 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 no. Like, this is so not what moving dirt actually looks like in a majority of situations. It's different every single time.
1: Different with the the equipment that you have there that's available. Yes. Our big thing is... We do what it takes with what we have. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have all your perfect pieces that you think I should be loading with, we're still getting the job done and the wheels are still moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting for anything. We're still making it happen. If we only have a dozer and an excavator there one day, or if we only have a dozer or an excavator there one day and we have haul trucks and we need to strip topsoil, we're going to strip with the excavator. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just what it is. We, we You work with what you have.
0: I just... uh. Uh, we, we posted a video the other day of our partner stripping topsoil with an excavator. Yeah. And I know for a fact it was because the dozer had not made it to the site yet. But yeah. They weren't going to slow down. And yet I also know people are going to see that on the internet oh. and lose their minds. Like, yeah. why the hell would you strip topsoil with an excavator? Like, I know it's not perfect, but it's almost when they're criticizing and saying a comment like that, they're almost showing how little they know. Yeah. It's super frustrating. It's like, okay,
1: you know more than me, you know yeah. exactly how to do this site, congratulations. And while you're still
0: talking on all this stuff, we're still working. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're, I mean, they're, they're really, it's like saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Because if, that, if if that's what you think is reality, you haven't been around very long. No. And a lot of it is doing what it takes with what you have
1: there. We yeah. need to use the tools that we have. Sometimes maybe we're not the most efficient and we're not the best, but we still get the job done, and you're still, like I said, you're still moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Progression is the name of the game. Well, and they see two two machines identical. They'll see, you know, a rented machine and your machine, but there's there's – Big differences between the two. Yeah. Your machine's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than the rented machine is. Yes,
1: that rented machine needs to get off the site. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we can do a little bit more with that 320 and then having that 349 there, we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, once I'll be all gung-ho. Like, I've had a couple jobs where I had to have a 349, and uh, I'm like, man, we're going to keep that thing. And then I sit, and I'm working, and I'm thinking about the dollars on it. And I'm like, well, how much longer would it really take if we use just a 320? Mm-hmm it's funny i mean
0: i don't know it it works out well we're also in town they just got a 349 for the first time ever after being in business for about 10 years now and they've always loaded trucks a lot of quantity a lot of material with 336s just because it's cheaper and they've had them and why not use these things and then if we buy a 349 now we need to keep the damn thing fed Non-stop, and to just get that amount amount of dirt to feed this thing, and to pay for a half million dollar machine, it's really expensive. So why not we just? Why don't we just use these smaller smaller machines? Get as much as we possibly can out of them. When we we know we have dirt for a bigger machine, then we go get the bigger machine.
1: Imagine having the stress of needing to have work for a three forty nine every day.
0: I mean, you gotta be moving some dirt. Well, there's a company in town with sixty fifteens. It's a Civil Earth Moving company, oh my God, just to keep those things fed, I mean, oh. how many millions of yards you need that's a that's a lot of pressure, and yes. that's a lot of I and mean, you have to go chase the dirt and then you have to go you know bid stuff maybe in in spots you don't want to bid it at yeah. and it's it's an animal, I like it i mean I'm in, I like the guys
1: in yeah. there doing that stuff it's I mean it's awesome, isn't it yeah even like for Roscoe when you're going there it's like it's i I look at a lot of their stuff too and to see different companies on what social media has created to evolve, seeing these companies get bigger, do bigger stuff. I mean, if you're not cheering for other companies to
0: succeed, then I don't even, I mean, you're not, you need to be. Yeah. Right? I used to have a negative mentality on it. You kind of have the mentality of someone else has to lose for you to win. And then you realize, well, no, no, no. Everyone can win and I can win. And once you get that and, and, and There's a guy, Andy Frisella online, he kind of explained if you're cheering for people to lose, that's only going to screw you because the universe, you know, he believes the universe is listening. So if you're putting that energy out there, you're not going to win. There's just no way in hell if you're cheering for people to lose. So then that's when it flipped everything around in my life. Like, yeah, I just I need to be genuinely happy for people killing it because it's. They're busting their ass. I'm busting my ass. We're all in yeah. it together. We can all win together. No one has to lose here. Oh, exactly. Yeah.
1: And if you are cheering for people to lose, and this, I, I relate that to all aspects of life, to people talking about other people's, like, family or, or what they're doing. I mean, embrace it. Mm-hmm. If somebody's doing cool shit,
0: awesome. I've made the mistake, too, of judging people on social media based on what they do on social media. Yeah. And then I meet them in person, like, Wow this is actually a a great guy and I really like this guy. Yeah. And I, my, my perception of them based on what I've seen on the internet is completely wrong. And then I feel like an asshole and, and I've stopped doing that too. And, and once I've met these people and and figure out who they are and learn more about them, it's like, wow, these are really great individuals. And I made a huge mistake creating a snap judgment based on a picture I saw on social media.
1: It's with our new, the new social media and stuff, it's so easy to, to judge though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or to, to try to measure your, you, I think you subconsciously want to measure up on all kinds of stuff. I think it's just human nature. Yeah. And that's what causes, I think, a lot of problems among people big time. Oh, he got this. How do you get that? Yeah. If he can afford it, I can afford it. Well, there
0: we're, we already had problems. Mm-hmm. That ain't good. I like, but then the, the competitive side of me comes into play here because I like people wondering, like, how the hell did they do that? Mm-hmm. Like, I want people just oh. really flustered and curious about how the hell we're pulling off what we're pulling off. Same here. I love it. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Just a little bit of mystery there. I yeah. like I like leaving enough to the imagination, like, yeah, I just don't know how the fuck they're doing that. Yeah.
1: No, I I, I totally agree. How did he get? You know, he's got all kinds of equipment. He's got trucks. I mean, what what is he doing?
0: Yeah, we're hammering. What we're <laughs> <Yeah>. doing, <laughs> and it's no secret. Yeah, we're putting the t- we're putting
1: the work in. Uh, yeah, and and, and, and that's it's very the, simple. Yeah, that's the secret recipe right there. Yeah, is putting your time in. When I first started out, I was, I was egotistic, of thinking if I built for the best. Dirt bike tracks for the best people in the world of factories and stuff. I know dirt, right? I know mm-hmm. all this. Oh, my gosh. Did I get beat down starting excavating? I felt like I was one foot tall.
0: Because you're moving perfect dirt Yeah, when you're building tracks a I lot know. of times. It's just ideal stuff.
1: But there's so much more that people don't know about actual, like, excavating and doing projects. Blueprints.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you said that maybe in the future you would do a, maybe some training. How about some blueprint training for people? I'm sitting up at night, you know, looking at these blueprints, trying to figure it out. If you go show a random stranger a blueprint, that thing looks like Japanese. Yeah, And, you know, I, I self-taught on that, which it, I had no other choice. But they're hard to read. Mm-hmm. You
0: know what I mean? And And is there classes for that? I don't know. I never found any. No, and I've talked to a lot of people. They think these blue-collar folks are uneducated and i'm like no you're so wrong they've just been educated in a different manner based on real world experience but they're 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 experts at their craft like just reading plans that's years and years and years of building stuff screwing stuff up to really understand a plan set from a to z how about tents yeah who talks in
1: tents (sighs) they're i'm I'm talking in tents on these things and my my lead operator tony he's always converting it for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm like how much is two tenths? Yeah. You know, I have no idea. The that normal tenths. public has no idea about Slopes.
0: Tenths. Yeah. You know, three to one slope.
1: We've got to have a three to one slope. The hell is that? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're looking at these plans and you see just tons of numbers. Yeah. And it just looks totally Japanese. So I start, you know, I when I would start out, I would just start going and just trying to read the legends, the notes on the side, and just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if there's a class for that, but I, I didn't know. find it. But I it would be very beneficial for people to
0: look at and understand a lot of it's in the field though because plans are 2d but you're building something that's 3d yeah and and that's the that's the real complexity there is you're trying to make something 3d on a piece of paper and it just doesn't translate perfectly
1: i was my the last subdivision we're doing right now the guy couldn't figure out no offense this guy why i couldn't just build what's on the plans why i would need any staking on the property or need the gps i'm like well, how do I set this road exactly from this whatever-by-whatever piece of paper onto your 32-acre parcel? Mm -hmm. How do you think I'm going to figure that out? That's not going to
0: happen. So he didn't even want to give you stakes or
1: anything? I needed control points for my GPS, and it was really hard to explain. It's hard to explain to people why you need this stuff to do the work. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well. Even with all the staking and stuff. It's tough. It's all learning.
0: It's an adventure. It is. All right. Well, we are closing in on an hour and a half. And you guys probably want to go see Tennessee a little bit more. Yeah. Rather than just sit in my dusty-ass office and talk about plans.
1: That's not bad, though. You got a sweet office.
0: It's going to be cool. We're getting there. That's really cool. It's going to take a few months to put it together. Probably quite a few months, but we'll get there. The vision. And and like we were talking about, it's like this is exciting to me, but also I already know there's so much more Mm -hmm. (laughs) down the road. So I celebrated a little bit, but it's like, okay, you know, this is cool, but how do I get something bigger already? And we're not even in here yet. It's just nonstop.
1: Do you ever go back a couple years and think of where you were at then? Oh, yeah. And then try to picture being in this office or in this area, really cool area at that point. I mean, it's almost like it's not even uh, in the world, or yeah. in the realm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It is fun looking back. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun looking back.
1: Things can evolve pretty quick, even though it's a kind of a short, longer period of time, whatever, how you were going to say that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But but then it's funny how things repeat, too, because it's like, well, I guess two years ago, I went up to coal mines in Wyoming in January froze my ass off, but I was by myself because we didn't have any, I didn't have any help. It was just under a year after starting the company. Now this time I'm going to North Dakota in January to go look at coal mines, but I have me, Chell, Eric, Angel. We just had a presentation, the whole, you know, executive team of the, the mining company last week, working on a big project for them. It's just totally different. Two years ago, I was sneaking into a coal mine with a shovel operator and now here I am, you know, helping to rebrand an entire business mm-hmm. in a two-year window. It is pretty cool to see the difference. Yeah. But it is similar at the same time. It's like, man, we are, you know, I really am doing what I was doing before, but from a totally different angle.
1: Big swings. Big swings. Big swings.
0: Yeah. Well, Marty Liam, Dirt Monkey Excavating. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: On the internet, Dirt Monkey Excavating on uh, Instagram, dirtmonkeyexcavating.com website.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Just look for the red equipment. Red equipment. Because as far as I know, I have not seen other red equipment out there.
1: Well, not not really. Not Ford Race Red. No. No, but no big red excavators.
0: No. No, no, no. no. We yeah. just
1: got a 306. It's got to be the first 306 red excavators that just came up with them.
0: hmm <laughs> There you go. Yeah, we are. Uh, we have a machine that we painted, but... I'm going to talk about that later time. Uh, I'm going to make make, make, a, make a bigger surprise out of that. Yeah. But I like the idea of painting equipment makes perfect sense to me as a marketing guy. Yeah. Like we have Randy Blunt. He paints everything gray. Blunt gray. There's some serious business reasoning behind painting all their equipment gray. I know people will really argue
1: with you and tell you it's a waste of money, but uh I'm I'm not going to get on board with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> that's just not where I'm going. Yeah. I I I think it's going to win. But uh, all right, that was uh, Marty Liam, Dirt Monkey Excavating. We're going to wrap up here. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Very first podcast in the BuildWit office at the plastic folding table. Hopefully the thing will get built out in the next few months and we'll have our our studio ready to go and it'll be a lot different. We'll be looking back a year from now like, man, we did the first podcast at a plastic table. So if you like the podcast, please share it with – other people out in the dirt world or abroad let's keep spreading the message of dirt to as many folks as we can and we will see you on the next episode dirt talk